0: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Oh, God. That's just the only way I know how to start this podcast today. Oh, what a freaking match last night to finish the day. Can we get into... The two men's matches from yesterday. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Renee Stubbs Tennis Podcast. What a freaking joke. I cannot even believe that what I saw yesterday. But I did blink it the other day because I saw Gilles and I saw Darren Cahill the day before. They walked into each other. They gave each other a high five and a hug. And I said, oh, I'm bli- I just blinked the final. Are you guys going to be in the final? And they're like, let's bloody hope so. Anyway, what a freaking day. Can we start with the first match of the day with... Of course, I'm joined by Andrej Petkovic, but you already know that because we are roomies. <laughs> Petko, far out. Yannick Sinner yesterday was just fantastic, and Novak was not fantastic.
0: No, he was bad. I mean, you are not saying it, but I'll say it. He was bad. Yeah. He was really bad for two sets. I mean, he said it himself in the press conference. He said this was the worst match he's ever played at a Grand Slam, and he was fighting. He was trying to find into it. But let's talk about Sina Sina Chicken Dinner.
1: Let's talk about Yannick Internet.
0: Yannick Sinternet. I have so many nicknames for him. Sina Sina Chicken Dinner, Yannick Internet. Gingerhead. Because he was really, really good. And I was thinking at one point, man, they play really similar. And it had never occurred to me in that way. Yes. And then Yannick said it in his interview with Jim Courier afterwards um, when Jim asked him, like, what do you think your strengths are? And he was like, you know, I actually think that me and Novak play really similar. And I did a, um, a hit on in a TV studio with Nick Kyrgios. And I asked him that on air because he had played both, obviously. And I wanted to know, it's easy to observe, but does it feel the same on the court? There's yeah. a, different, a different story. And I asked him, he was like, and he had to halt for a moment because I think he didn't. Halt! <laughs> he had to pause for, <laughs> I just turned British. You turned British
1: and German all at the same time. This yes, so weird. <laughs> oh dear, oh Lord, oh darling. Oh darling. Oh darling. Oh darling. Um,
0: and yeah, he had to pause for a second and I think it had never occurred to him either. And then he looked at me and he was like, I think you're right. I think they do play kind of similar. You know, they don't have great volleys, but they can put it away. They didn't have a great serve when they came on tour, but now they serve really well. They're both
1: great great serves. And
0: you can't get past them on the baseline. And now that Yannick has improved his footwork and his speed so much, he was always speedy, but now you can't get a ball past him anymore. He's so fast. He's so fast. It's unbelievable. He's like a praying mantis.
1: You know, like in his no, legs. He's a horse. Oh he's, he's a, a little horse. He's a he's a foal. He's a foal with he's his long, long legs, <laughs> legs and he's like Li-li-li-li-li. But now he's starting to control them like a thoroughbred.
0: Yes, exactly. And the, what I love about his um foal like stature yeah. is that his joints peek out just like a foal. Yeah. So it's really you know uh, you, you know what I like love about you know what my favorite
1: thing is? <laughs> when he goes when he does the fist pump to to his player box yeah. and it's a side angle. Yes. And he has zero and i mean zero bicep muscle <laughs> it's like it cracks me up i'm like i i mean i still have a bigger bicep than he does <laughs> and i am like Tiny. I would probably
0: bench press more than Yannick. No, he's moment. actually
1: quite strong, but he doesn't have, like, it kills me. It
0: doesn't look like he's strong, but he's When you think about Alcaraz and
1: Nadal, and like with those biceps that they have. Even
0: Novak, he has bulked up, I have yeah, to say. Yeah. And this is what I love about him. We'll talk about why he made, the reasons for why he maybe played that. But this is what I love about him. He really, um, he studies not only the game, but obviously the body and he knows that the one thing that goes away when you turn 32, 33, 34 is the explosiveness of the muscles, right? Yeah, yeah. You lose that quick twitch in the muscle. That's yeah. the first thing that goes away. And there was there was actually a study in baseball players with that because they need, you know, when they hit the ball, yeah. you can measure that really well. In tennis, it's harder to measure because there goes so much complexity into the game. But they had a study, and uh, and the the fast twitching of the muscle goes away first and so he bulked up a little bit he was much skinnier a year two years ago because you know i have to make up for it i have to uh i have to balance it out and now my question comes to you do we finally see the first signs of age because what was what it was with me and i think you can attest to that with serena with age you all of the sudden have bad matches that you can't explain yeah because it's so much harder to get out of an off day you would have off days but they would last 20, 30 minutes, and you would still find your way back in. And all of a sudden, you have more and more off days. I'm just putting it out there. I don't want to I mean, answer, maybe, but what do you think? It's very
1: possible. Um, that's a, a theory um, I, I'm not going to fight against because, you know, it very well could be true. I think a lot of that yesterday was – well, There's a couple of things. I think that he knew he was playing against a guy that had beaten him twice in mm. the last, what, four months? Yeah. Four, you know, two, two months ago, he beat him twice. Now mm. I know it's best of three. But still – when you know you're playing against a guy, particularly that Davis Cup match where Novak should have won that match. And there's a little scar tissue there from having a match point and three match, match points. Point. Yeah, three, three match, match points. Teams, love points, love 40. 40. Like, there's still scar tissue there. And Novak was very, very open about the fact he wanted to win Davis Cup. So, you know, anyone, anyone out there like, well, I didn't really care. Bullshit. There's no way you go and win the ATP finals and then go and play Davis Cup and not want to win it when you're yeah. the best player of all time. So I think that there was a little bit of scar tissue, knowing that he he could actually lose to this guy, um, that the guy was ready to step up to the plate. It was about could Yannick manage the f- best of five set mentality of being able to mentally stay in it. And we know how mentally strong he has been over the last uh, few months with his winning and also playing in the day. Novak has not played hardly at all in the daytime here in Australia for so long that the conditions are so different at night. It's dark. It's very much no wind at night. Very, very rarely do you get wind here at night. Um, so it's that little bit heavier conditions, difficult to get the ball past Novak. He sort of like gets into that rhythm of not missing, not missing, not missing. Mm. And in the daytime yesterday, it was quite cool. So it was really fresh conditions, kind of similar to like an Indian Wells day where yeah. it's not that hot, but it's a little bit chilly bit of wind yesterday so there's a lot of sort of little and Novak hates wind and he hates the wind right um and so I think just the feeling of throwing the ball toss up and serving with the blue sky Mm. instead of the dark sky like there's all little things that I think I think contributed it might I might be completely wrong but I I just have to feel like Novak didn't feel the ball like he normally does Does, and everyone's like he played a match against Taylor Fritz it was so stifling hot that day. It was different. And it was like four o'clock in the afternoon when yeah. they went on the court. And so the court, the the yes, was completely in shade. After one set, it was already shade on mm. that court. So that would have felt like to Novak, it was sort of going into the evening session because I made a joke about it on air because the match before was so long that I said, oh, my God, Novak's almost going to be playing at night anyway today. Mm. Um, and so I think and I think that Taylor ran out of gas there's no question about it. And he sort of st- stipulated that almost to me that he needs to get back into doing a bit of training because he felt like he died. So I think it was very different that day. And then I just think the conditions were really uncomfortable for Novak mm. yesterday. And the reason I say that is because how many fucking unforced errors did he make yeah, in the, the first? backhand
0: that He never misses never. the backhand. So like you, the there former, has to be, yeah.
1: I think, a that to me, and he hasn't, Look, you know, he's not been a hundred percent with his yeah. College.
0: He and he yesterday I watched his press conference. He still sounds really bad. Yeah. Like, not, he didn't look sick. He looked good, I yeah. thought. You yeah. know, sometimes when Novak is in the second, in the latter stages of, of slams, you see his face so haggard because he puts so much into yeah. it and so much. And a major tournament takes so much substance from you and he looks like haggard and his eyes, is, his one eye is drooping. He has this one, like one lazy eye. Yeah. He looked really good. Like, I thought he was looking good. Yeah. But his voice, sounded still very, very sick, very sick. So he did have this cold that he was juggling with and it, and you can see Novak sometimes when he struggles with a thing, he like somehow mends it over the course of a of a Grand Slam tournament or over the course of a week or 10 days. He didn't manage to do that. He sounded just as sick as he did in the beginning of the Grand Slam.
1: And honestly, I know what that feels like, because that's kind of what I've been battling over the last like month or two, mm. um, you know, where I got sick and then I lost my like got laryngitis and then my voice mm. got funny and I, it's still a little bit funny and... I'm still like, you know, there's this cough that, you know, everyone is getting. So there's no question that um physically, you know, health-wise, he wasn't yes. 100% this yeah. tournament. But also we've seen him win many, many times That's when true. he hasn't been 100%. I think the difference was the daytime conditions didn't suit him, mm. a little bit of breeze, and he played against the guy that I think is his biggest rival right now.
0: Yeah, There's absolutely. no question. And,
1: yes, Carlos, for sure, you know, has beaten him in, at Wimbledon and all that sort of stuff, but... There's no doubt that Carlos and Cena are his two biggest rivals now mm. because they don't back down. Yeah. And now they really do believe that they can beat him. And, and I think is, that's Yannick
0: said that, right, afterwards in the press conference. Yannick said that he thinks the difference between Rune, between Carlos and him, are that these three, they believe they can beat Nova Because they have. And one goes into the other. Yeah. You won't beat him unless you believe you can. And when you see others doing it. And Exactly. And now I will use this one thing that one actor said to me. He's a theater actor and it reminded me of Novak so much. He said to me, I asked him about, you know, his method, how he got into it. And he's like, well, every role is different. For example, if you play a king, the cast plays the king. That's what he said to me. The cast plays the king. It really has nothing to do with you. And I was like, uh, I don't get it. What do you mean? He's like, well, Marlon Brando himself could come from the grave stand on stage and pretend he's king henry the eighth or king henry the fifth by shakespeare whatever but if the cast doesn't play him like the king with reverence and yeah. respect they laugh at him they're... it can be the best actor in the world yeah it won't he won't be king henry the yeah. right it just doesn't work like this yeah. so he, he, and he and i was like and that made me think of novak because i was like man the cast plays him like, as the king. Yeah, all the players. And the ones who don't, those are the only ones who can beat him. Now, this is an analogy talking about someone who's still a lot better than most of these guys out there. But yeah. still, you can see that at least one set, Novak wins in the locker room because the yeah. cast plays him as the king. Yeah. And then, because he's much better, he wins the next two as well. Yeah. But Yannick, Carlos,
1: and Holger... They're starting to see him as a king that needs to be dethroned and shouldn't shouldn't be there anymore, you know? In some respects, they respect him like crazy, but I think that they start to see that there's some vulnerabilities there and also they realise, hey, I'm actually really fucking good tennis player. Mm. I mean, Yannick does not have a weakness. I mean, e- even yesterday his volleys came through yeah. under some big pressure, he had an amazing backhand volley um, on a big point. But I think the thing that for me where it changed, and I said it I was watching it in the green room, was when Jan- when Yannick was one all, I think, or was or two one in the in the fourth set mm-hmm. after losing a really tough third set with the tiebreak and having a match point, which he admittedly choked the forehand. It was so bad. He ran for a ball at love when when yeah uh, when uh, Novak was serving. I believe it was two one when Novak was serving to go two all. You know, and off we go into this set of like maybe going to another tiebreak or whatever. It was 40 love to Novak, Mm -hmm. and he hit a great drop shot. Yannick ran for it, and he ran it down. And I'm thinking in my head, who runs for that at 40 love? You Mm -hmm. know what I mean, right? He runs it down, and he's starting to get, you have to think, physically it started probably getting to him like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit, should I conserve energy here? Mm -hmm. Like this is a big pivotal moment. He ran it down and hit the most amazing cross-court forehand Mm -hmm. dig. Mm -hmm. And I looked around, and I went, and I said to people in the green, i go, first of all, who does that? Mm. Who, who expends energy on a game that they're probably not going to win? And then he wins the point. And I said, if he went this, that could be the turning point in this match. Cause if he comes back and wins this game, that point right there is indicative of who Yannick Sinner is. Mm. And my God, guess what happened? He, he broke around. that yeah. game. I don't think he lost a point after that. Novak. Yeah. And to me, Novak was probably like, holy shit, this dude. Like, mm. really? You're going to run for that? And then he played a horrible point the next point, mm. uh, Novak. I think he made a really bad error. And then all of a sudden, it's 40-30. Mm. And everything changes. And then it's pressure. And now it's pressure. And all of a sudden, Bang. He yeah. wins the game, breaks, and that was the break that won in the match. I
0: did have the feeling in the first, and now granted Novak wasn't at his best, but I did have the feeling in the first two sets that I had seeing Novak play Medvedev once in Dubai, I think it was, when he lost in straight sets, quite easily, quote-unquote, for his standards. It was maybe 4-4 four and four or 4-3. Four and three. It felt like, whether that was physically or mentally, it felt like he saw that the rallies are going to be really hard. They are going to be very long, yeah. and the other guy hits just as hard as he does. Yeah, and he's—you can't get through. And he was going for too much. And I had that one time when—and that was the the period of time when Daniel won, like, five tournaments in a row. Yeah. He was not missing anything. He yeah. was serving incredible. And it just felt like Novak was like, motherfucker, I don't want to play every rally. Yeah, because there were 36. a couple of points that he,
1: blew, he actually bailed out and tried to hit exactly. some forehand drop he shots. Try, and...
0: Yeah, and tried to go down. The, I think the reason, because everyone was like, oh, Nowak's forehand, uh, backhand is so bad today, Novak. The reason for that is he was trying to go down the line yeah. on shots hit with so much pace and so much depth that not even Novak Djokovic can pull off down the line. Yeah. And he was trying to go for that down the line. And when you see somebody going down the line on shots you shouldn't take, that's when you know you've you got don't. Him. He doesn't want to play another 10 cross courts with Yannick Sinner because he's overpowering him in that moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was phenomenal. And the fact, and I interviewed Yannick after the match, and I said to him, Would you ever, in your wildest dreams, thought you'd play Novak Djokovic on center Court here at Rod Laver Arena and not face one?
0: Break point. point.
1: Can you even fathom playing Novak Djokovic and saying he didn't have one match, uh, one break point point. of it? And he said, "Yeah." He said, "Until I got down 15, I knew, I knew." But then I got down 1530 in the last game, and I went, "No, not now. (laughs) Don't do it now. Don't give him." a – And then he came up with some incredible serving at 1530. Mm. But to think that that Novak didn't have one break point, not one. That's un heard of mm-hmm. it ha- it had only happened i believe twice in the history of his career yeah, one was against nick curios because mm-hmm. nick brought it up in the coverage at on Eurosport, and he lost his match to um, alex dimon and we can't stress enough about the losses he had coming in here mm-hmm. he lost to alex dimon everyone's like oh, it was the united cup no one cares no no trust me when you're the greatest player of all time you never want to lose particularly against an aussie in australia mm he didn't have one break point against Alex de either. Mm. And Alex beat him, I think it was like four and four. So it's happened a couple of times now, um, which is very, very rare for him. So I think coming into the Aussie Open, he wasn't at his best. We thought he would turn it on here. Not physically at his best. And he played against a guy that arguably is the best player in the world right now. Definitely after the last couple of months. Without doubt. He's Um, the
0: best player of the last couple of months. And I think he showed it over and over again. And I have to say... I don't know if you remember this but Yannick used to kind of choke uh, not choke I, this is the wrong word no he, but he would just so take many a bit
1: tight matches yes, but he
0: would and the thing is with him it's not choking in a sense where you can see he's so nervous he can't play but he would just take a bit off or of the pace he would either take a bit off Or he would go for a down shot. Yes, exactly. But when he took that bit off, because he plays such a nice ball, Mm. like he hits so hard, but it's such a nice ball. It's so clean the way he hits the ball. You can really, the sound that it it makes when he connects with the ball is so beautiful. But when you take a bit off, that nice ball is a beautiful ball for a professional tennis player to hit, right? And all of a sudden, the other guy can't miss anymore because it's landing every time in your sweet spot. And you feel like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I feel amazing. And now he didn't do that. No. He really won that game. He really won that game. Where And he was nervous, but he won that because he kept doing what he was doing all match long.
1: And it was, what was interesting to me, just backing it up to the t- first a uh, match point that he missed, he had kind of an easy forehand for him. It wasn't easy. It wasn't like he was going to hit a winner on it, but he yeah. certainly should not have missed it. Yeah, It was like a court. He was standing there. The shot was sort of deep, but he just bumped it into the net. The match point forehand, it was not similar because it was a little bit easier, yeah, but yeah. he it was went a little shorter, for it down yes. the line. Like, he went for it yes. down the line. He didn't try and go back cross court, which we all know is the bailout forehand because it's like, I know I can make this one. I'm not sure about the line, the high part of the net. And if I don't hit a winner, I'm going to have to hit a volley. You know, all that shit goes through your mind when you've got that shot. He just went back yeah. and he just crushed it. And I thought, okay that is a guy ready to step up to win a Grand yeah. Slam and to do it against Novak. In, I mean, it, it, what he did yesterday was arguably as hard as what it has been to do, beat Rafael Nadal at the French Open. Yeah. And it also shows you how unbelievable Rafa's record is at the French Open, yeah. and he's done it 14 times. Well, and didn't you think that the
0: the way he took it down the line almost stunned himself and Novak. Yeah, he was okay. Novak always runs for everything yeah, and he, I think he was covering slightly the forehand cross court because he had it in his mind too that Yannick had missed the one on match point before and it was like every in the stadium there was like a slight moment of like was that a winner is it yeah, over is it, because nobody could believe he just went for it you yeah. know it was and kind Yannick's of a stunning moment. Yannick was it. a
1: little bit like that too he kind of yeah. didn't know whether to laugh or or like But I loved his reaction because I know he said in the press conference later that he realised it was a great moment. But his goal is to win the tournament, yeah, and that he didn't want to get uh, like you know because we've seen a lot of players that win semi-finals and go Mm -hmm. absolutely bonkers, yeah. And and I in my own brain I go that's it for them. There's their tournament. Yeah. They won their tournament already. Yeah. They're not even gonna be focused on the final. Yeah. So anyway, uh absolutely the... incredible upset yesterday.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. and then I um I saw it was really funny that you say that because I agree with you hundred percent. I saw Yannick and team, so Darren and um what's the Italian Vagnozzi? What's yeah. his first name? Do you uh, know yeah. first name? Forget. Um so Mr. Vagnozzi, yeah. Mr. Vagnozzi. <laughs> ciao, ciao, I call him. No, Signore, <laughs> Um they, I saw them afterwards and Yannick was like the most contained of yes. all of them. Like he was walking in front of them. I was like, hey, congrats. And he was laughing. You could see he was so happy, but he was okay. And then I saw Darren and he, his face was like so overwhelmed he's by happiness so proud. he's, so, he's proud. so proud and it's so cute and I said to him stop being happy stop being happy it's he, not over you said that I to, said him. to him. he was <laughs> laughing at me because I was like amazing he's like yeah you played so well I was like yeah he did but stop being happy stop it right now
1: it's <laughs> <He laughs> gonna laughing. be the title of the podcast stop being happy <laughs> stop being happy. Uh, yeah. no, that's great obviously Darren knows how to handle these moments he's been there with so many great players and he knows how to manage this next 24 hours which is very very important for someone yeah. like that which is the most understated thing about coaches, and in my opinion, if you ha there's so many players out there that will remain nameless that I feel like the situation overwhelms them because their coach also has no idea how to handle those moments, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what you know a player's out there that want to win grand slams if you don't have a pe- if you don't have people around you that know how to handle those moments or handle you that's what you have to look for in a coach or an advisor at least for the
0: first time at least
1: for the first time cuz
0: now Darren can walk him through this is what you will go through yeah. this will what this is what will hit you these are the emotions that might come might not but might come and this is how you can handle them yeah. so when you see them you're like ah i knew this was coming yeah And I'll accept it and move forward. And one of the things is stop being so happy. (laughs) Like I said, stop being happy. (laughs) No, I mean, it's
1: true. I mean, I I just throw a little conversation with uh, Sam Stozer in many, many, many years ago when she made the semifinals of the French Open and wanted to, she was so excited about wanting to go and thank her friends that had come to watch her at the French Open. And I said no. I said I think you just need to get on the bike and like cool down, like you've done every single match. Like stick to the routine, mm-hmm. and it's very routines are very important for players because it does keep you in the mindset of wanting to play, win the next match mm-hmm. and not being overawed by, oh, this is awesome! I've made the semis. Yeah, yay! I mean, you know what it feels like. So anyway, it was a phenomenal effort yesterday from Yannick. And I said last year he was ready to step up and win the win a Grand Slam, and I felt like strain Open was a good one for him to win. Um, so it's looking pretty good. So well, he will have a tired opponent. Oh my God, Daniil Medvedev, that motherfucker! He is—he's got—he's. I said this morning he's got an. Ex, he's either got a chip missing, or an extra chip.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: I think it actually might be an extra chip. I think he's so smart and he's so thoughtful in his brain. You, you see his post-match interviews. I can tell you that I interviewed him after this match. The shit that goes through his mind and how he weaves it all and puts it all together and he remembers every point. And he told me after the match about even at um, four all in the fourth set tie break, when the double fault, he hit the double fault. He's like, it was such a bad ball toss. Why did I hit it? I'm such an idiot. It's like, that's how I'm going to lose the match on a double fault, you know? And I was sitting next to Tommy Haas and Tommy Haas said to me, it is just going to come down to one bad unforced error, literally at Mm. four all, he said. And then he hit the double and he goes like that. Oh, my God. And then he locked down. Mm. He locked down and didn't make an error and Zverev sort of, shot himself in the foot with that. But well, let's what a start, match. Let's I mean, start
0: with the first two sets. It's amazing then, that Medvedev
1: played so shit in the first two sets. Yeah. And Novak played shit in the first two yeah, sets. Yeah, interesting,
0: right? Yeah. That is so interesting. Well, the first two sets, it has to be said, Zverev played Flawless. fucking fantastic. Yeah. Fucking fantastic. He continued his crazy ass serving at 80 percent that's crazy with accuracy and over 200 k's and now that's like 130 miles per hour and he's serving his spots and he's um he's making 80 percent of those that's absolutely incredible and well uh,
1: considering the dude was like a double fault king a yes. couple of years ago. I mean, he's like Sabalenka. Exactly. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, they remembered how to hit a surf. Yeah. Well, and Jim Courier said something on the
0: broadcast really interesting. He said, for those of you who don't maybe play tennis on a regular basis, but play golf, this is what it's comparable to somebody who has a great drive and hits the shite out of the ball. They rarely ever make the free the green what's the, what fair is it? the fairway. fairway. I don't play golf, as you can clearly I, I tell. can
1: tell. <laughs> as you can
0: tell. They rarely ever make the fairway because you lose on accuracy when yeah. you hit the ball. So he was saying that Zverev is basically one of these big drivers. So he's got a ball. Sudden. Yes, but he's also making the fairway yeah, every, every time. single time. Like or eighty percent of the time. This is incredible. So he was playing well. He just continued his great quality of play from the Alcaraz match. He was not missing his forehand. He was coming to the net. He played tactically smart. He kept coming to, to the net on his serves. He played serve and volley. Yeah. He made
1: some incredible volleys. because oh, amazing. A terrible volley. He also hit some hellacious volleys. Yes. He, there was no in between. Yes. Like he hit a couple of. It was either Ed Beck oh my God. or Andrea Petkovic. <laughs> That you were going to say me, but it's okay. I'm just I'm kidding. It's either me or you. But uh, yeah, anyway. That's better. Um, and, and then all of a sudden he decided to be you at the net and yes. then have my forehand at times <laughs> where it was just ugly. I, honestly, there were a couple of volleys that he missed last night. It was like, um, first thing out of my mouth was, how do you miss that volley? The high forehand volley. Yeah. It's like he it's like he, 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 could have the whole court and you're like, if I'm up there in his coaching box, my sphincter's tight every time he goes to hit a forehand volley because you're like, what's going to happen here? He made the hard volleys. He didn't make the easy ones. Yes, he seems to have he swings too much on the Exactly, he doesn't use his body. Actually, I mean I'd never had Thank great you. volleys,
0: but I learned volleys in the end of my career and so that's why I know how you can actually learn volleys. Use and your I vo- used to also use your body. Yes, cuz you know that I in the end I was volleying actually yeah. fine. And what I did a lot is volley volley the first 10 15 minutes before every practice to improve them. And I quickly realized when you're tired and without intensity and you just use your arm, you get so tired in your arm. And, of course, that translates to a five-set match. If you get tired and you just play with your arm, your arm is tired. But when you use a little bit of your glutes and thighs and your body,
1: your wrist, your... The most important thing, because trust me now that I'm old... You know, when I go to hit my volleys, I'm like, oh my God, I'll miss them because not because my hands, my hands can still hit the volley as well as any time in my career. It's the legs. Mm-hmm. My legs aren't there. My le- You have to get low with your legs and you have to use your legs and use your body to hit volleys really well. And that's why Stefan Erberg, Patrick Rafter, all these guys that were amazing at the net, they would get down low to the volley and then they would just literally use the pace of the ball coming at them just to hit it into the open court. That's a classic volley. So all of a sudden, if the legs aren't there, you're snatching a little bit at it and using your hands way too much. Mm. And that's what happened to him yesterday uh, on some big occasions. And it
0: just shows you that it's not quite in his nature yet. Like, yes, Yes. he did it great. And he knew the game plan is against somebody who stands a billion miles behind the baseline and you have to come into the net and try and play some drop shots. And I like that he went for it, and then he was like, this is the game plan, I'm pulling through. But in those moments where he missed, especially the high forehand volleys,
1: yeah. not
0: sure what's up with that, just swing at it. He, he,
1: no, he used but his, then he
0: did that one time, and he almost killed somebody in the audience I know when he swung, no, no. swung he, at that.
1: Uh, no, he will get better. And look, his brother, Mish, was yes. an incredible servant volleyer, and mm. she came into the net. So here's somebody, maybe like me, coaching someone to come in. You know, That's all we did. You know, That was our game. You you learn through just keep doing it, doing it, doing it, and then the technique will get better. So I think that will improve now that his brother is with him all the time. Yes.
0: And he played two fantastic sets. Daniel couldn't make a serve to save his life, yeah. especially in the first set, got a bit better in the second, but still was kind of atrocious. And then Renee Stubbs, Stubsy, what happened? He turned it around. I'll tell you what
1: happened is that he said this after in my interview with him as well, um, is that he decided he didn't have his legs. He's played like a thousand hours in this tournament. And he said, look, my legs weren't there and I knew they weren't there. So there's no way that I could play a really long point over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. So I had to be a lot more aggressive than I wanted to be. And if you watch him play, he's so funny because I've watched a couple of matches now really courtside, so I see the pace of the ball a lot better Mm -hmm. than you do on television. There are times where he literally uh, deliberately hits the ball slow. Yes. He literally has the whole court and he just rolls it up really slow because he knows that that takes effort from his opponent to then create his own pace mm. and to create your own pace you have to actually be quite physical with your own legs mm. where if the ball's coming at you kind of fast you can just swing your arm yeah because the ball comes onto you and then you just swing whereas if it's slow you've got to get your legs up mm. to it and then you have to swing and then you're inside the court do you go forward do you have to then come back because now you're playing against the guy that you know is going to push you back so there's this like Quite amazing a great chess. passer, also a great passer. Ridiculous passer at the net. Unless you hit an incredible approach shot, yeah. you're getting passed. This yeah. guy can create an angle off his forehand and off his backhand, and mm. you know how I feel about coming in on the backhand. It's very hard to go cross court with the topspin backhand with a really hard angle, there's only a few players that can do it, and he is one of them. Yeah. Actually, Sasha as well, like Angie Kerber. Yes. Like I think about Angie's ability to be able yeah. to hit that angle, but there's only a few players that have a really strong left wrist that actually are, where they can create an, an almost like a left-handed forehand yeah. angle, and he's one of those. So it's such this mind fuck for you as a player. Like, do I come in on that when it's floating, or do I stay back? And f- particularly so Zerif. He struggles when there's no pace to his forehand. Mm. And there was one particular shot in the tie break, I think it was, or it was a huge point, and Medvedev hit this, like, just really slowish ball to his forehand and he dumped it in the net. I think it mm. might have been the fifth. And I looked at John Fitzgerald, who was courtside mm. as well with me, and I, I went, love
0: John I said,
1: he, d- did you see that? I said he deliberately hit that ball slow. He had the whole court, he could have done anything he wanted, and he just rolled it and, he, and literally swear of hit it in the bottom of the net. Well, and this he's so smart, but this
0: destroys you mentally because if somebody hits a winner, you're like, ah, oh, too, too good, good. maybe I, have, I need more depth on my next shot." That's the one thought yeah. the one pro- thought process when somebody hits a winner is either too good. oh my God, when you know when somebody hits like full run down the line, you're like, "Ah, oh, okay, whatever." When he hits a good winner, you're like, too good or I need more depth." Those are the two thoughts in your head. When you roll a forehand into the bottom of your shoe, your thought process is, oh my God, I'm choking. I don't feel my forehand. Am I choking? Am I nervous? What do I do? I have to hit higher. Maybe I should run around and play backhands. That looks ridiculous. Oh my I God. can't be hitting backhands from the center of the court. Yeah. But maybe what... Uh, have,
1: this and you has clearly them. gone through
0: your mind. <laughs> well, and you are you're a very similar same. player like
1: that because your forehand was the one that went off a little bit and you're like, should I run around my forehand in the middle of the court? That looks so stupid. <laughs> um, but it is true and I just think he tact- He is such a smart tennis player tactically and he reminds me a little bit. Novak is similar. Mm-hmm. Novak will play a slow one. He'll yeah. kind of like tempt you. Andre Agassi was a little bit like that where he tortured you from side to side and he didn't finish points off when he knew he could because he wanted to torture you physically. And Danil also said to me after that he saw that um, that uh, Sasha was struggling physically. Uh, he saw it as well. Oh and I promise you when I tell you this, in the fifth set, because I was right there 20 feet from him, Medvedev looked fresher in the fifth than, than he in did the, in the first. Yes, that's true. And I don't know why. It, like he went and had a shower I yeah. combed his hair. Yes. It was like. This is a different third-degree burns. This down just burns. two two-degree burns. He did tell me that it was because of the towel. It wasn't the sun. I was like, okay, okay bro. But um, <laughs> his, I think the bottom line is, and we're going to give you a revelation here, people. You know, when he comes back and wins this match, we all know that shot he hit at five-all in the tiebreak was so lucky. Yeah. But also, lucky favors the brave. Maybe there's some karma in that. <clears throat> that shank. Just putting it out there. But. Physically, Zverev was done in the fifth. You could tell by the way he looked at his player box. Mm. It was like, fuck, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to lose this huge match. Yeah. Having, you know, an opportunity to win it, blah, blah, blah. And you can just tell when you're looking up at your brother and your dad, your face is different than it is when you look at your coach. Yes. It's kind of like, help me. I can't believe, you know, as opposed yeah. to fuck you and, you know, yeah. all the shit. But to me, um, the fact that um, Medvedev wins and turns around and he looks at his coach and says, "Karma." Karma, calma. calma. Yes. not karma. yes no, okay. that would have been funny too yeah. but it was karma because he said to me in the post-match interview that he's working so hard on keeping himself calm on the court and being not being a psycho not looking at somebody in the crowd and getting annoyed at them or somebody says something in the crowd and he loses his mind novak uses that as fuel yes daniel gets crazy because mm. he starts losing his mind. And plus he doesn't like the crowd against him. Novak, I think thrives on it. <clears throat> Daniil doesn't really, you know, everyone says, yes, he does. He plays the villain really well, but he doesn't, he's a nice guy. He likes people liking him. Um, and I think that he, he had decided prior to coming into to the new year that he was going to try and work on being um, calm on the calmer on the court mm-hmm. and not losing his shit. And I asked him about being a dad now and how he, and he, you know, talked about his daughter and, and then he said he had a brain fart before the tournament started where he lost his mind practicing a practice set against Raunich and he threw his racket over the fence and Jill's and were like, What happened to the calm, man? And I'm like, you know, he's like, ah oh, fuck, I lost it. But he said the, the most important thing is if I lose it, it's once a week. Mm. And I'm gonna stop it. I'm gonna try and get to a point where I'm not losing it. And if you watched that match yesterday, mm. he was so calm. He really was. He I was, was so surprised. Jesus. He was playing the tie breaks like yes. it was like it was like a practice set
0: yeah unbelievable it, it was it was really amazing and the, the one time when he did yell a little bit was in the first in the first set when he just couldn't hit make a serve he yeah. hit three double faults in a row to give uh, Sasha a double break that's yeah. like whenever have you have seen that from, yeah. from him that was the one time when he and also much less than he usually does that's right but he kind of looked out and was like what is going on with my serve and um can we one have take five seconds to talk about Jill's fashion oh my god I love the guy uh, I mean From the choker with the like weird pendants of wolves on it to the Chicago
1: Red Bulls cap. Like the Chicago Bulls. (laughs) So you can't call them the Red Red Bulls, Bulls. okay? This proves how much you don't watch basketball. I really don't. I really don't. (laughs) But like, what? It was Your boyfriend Jesse just had a heart attack going, Red Bulls?
0: What the fuck? It's also his favorite team, I think the Red Bulls. That's a soccer
1: team. <laughs> That's a New York <laughs> but Red Bulls. Just
0: like from the Chicago Bulls with the choker of the wolf. Like what is going somewhere stuck between the nineties and the two thousands. I love absolutely it. love <clears throat> it. With the uh, with like the and my absolute favorite shot of him ever was during the pandemic when Medvedev sent him away. And there was no audience. On Rod Laver. On Rod Laver, just is the biggest stadium. And you just see him walking up the stairs. Slowly. It, slowly. And it looked, and there is nobody. So you just see him walking up the stairs alone. And it felt like
1: 25 minutes while he was leaving. The <laughs> yeah, during the pandemic, of course, Medvedev was like, go, just leave. Get out of here. And he's like, just he goes, okay. And he just turns around and starts walking as slow as a wet week. Going up those stairs. You can just and it was hear the hear only steps. person in the stadium. <laughs> you can just
0: hear the steps echoing from the like metal of the yep. stairs. It's like blowing, blowing
1: clawing <laughs> and it's a C Jill absolutely they, with his Chicago Red Bull scab. <laughs> They just, I tell you, they have such a great relationship. And, and also the funny thing about sending him out is that there's always no one else in the, in the, <laughs> in the box, although there's a few more people in the box this time. So he's, he's realized that maybe he needs a physio, maybe he needs an agent there, like, you know, all the things. So, um, I, look, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm so happy to see Danelle Mavedev get through that match and mm. make the finals. I think I, everyone knows probably why. But um, I just think that he is an incredible fighter, I think that he's I, I I think he's a great guy and he handled that moment better and is he physically going to be able to come back in a we day I don't know enough? I want to I want to ask because he, he was dying too. his he... legs were dying I've never seen him like kind of run to a ball and not hit a pro- proper forehand mm. he'd like slap a couple forehands back and I was like, uh oh.
0: And this will be a great challenge for Yannick because he will have to play those volleys that they practiced so much. But now he really will have to, because we saw it, all the players who have beaten Medvedev in the past, let's say, few months... We're coming to the net. Novak, at the US Open yeah. final, he was playing serve and volley at least twice a service game. I think he
1: will. I think that Darren will recognize that, and his coaching crew will recognize. And he, and he, he there's no question his volleys have improved. Abs-
0: absolutely. And they will put, like with Zverev, it will put them to the test. And yeah. Zverev did so well
1: for two sets. And frankly, if Zverev had made the volleys, all of them,
0: yeah, all the or at least eight out of ones. ten, yes.
1: the easy ones, not the tough ones, he hit some incredible yeah. half volleys, some incredible lunging volleys, but it was the easy ones that cost him. Yeah, like put him down fifteen forty instead mm. of it being thirty all. Mm. For example, or in the tiebreak being five two instead mm. of four three. Mm. So little things like that. So I think Yannick, we'll see. They they will be tested, and of course the final is very different to a semi final. This is the biggest match of Yannick's life. You know, of course, Daniil has been there many times now, mm. particularly here in Melbourne, where he has had that match. On his own racket against Nadal a couple of years ago, so mm. I'm sure there's a lot of people pulling for him to get that title. Mm. I, for one, I love Yannick Sinner. He is just the greatest guy. But I really like Daniil Medvedev, and mm. when you, I, I actually hugged both of them because I got to. I'm. So blessed to be able to like interview these guys. When they I come thought, off the
0: yeah, for one second, this <clears throat> was, was going into um, cringe, not no. cringe, but creepy territory. Because no. I, I thought your sentence would end. I'm so lucky to be in the position to hug these no. guys.
1: <laughs> what I'm in, what I'm saying is they're both so skinny and tall. It's like I'm hugging them around their stomach, you know, and they have zero fat on them and they have zero muscle. They're both the two skinniest dudes of all time. Like I think my arms wrapped around myself. Because they're so skinny. Yeah. Um, but they are just they great competitors. I think it's an amazing mm-hmm. moment. I don't really care who wins. Um, I and, just want and, to see a great match. And
0: I really think we talked <coughs> about it briefly in one of the other podcasts. I really think mm-hmm. Novak, um, because some you know how some people argue, well Roger Federer, he put such a stamp on the on the game. And of course he did. It's Roger Federer talking about the silhouette and theory. All- you know, when you see a silhouette of Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal, you know exactly who that is, which is like, the it's this theory that if you can recognize somebody by their silhouette, that, that's stuff. an instant icon, right? Yeah. And But I do think that Novak has influenced the game in a different way. A hundred percent. Body types. We have a completely yeah. different body type. Now, all four guys in the semifinals were tall guys, skinny guys who yeah. move incredibly well, yeah. who are not so bulked up. Yeah. And if you think about ten years ago when Novak started his um dominance, it was the tsongas, it was the Burdich, it was the all these guys that are really Rafa even, who are really muscular, who are top heavy. Who are you know get injured quicker yep. because you have to carry a lot of weight, especially on the hard courts and how long these matches last. So he has changed the game, and we will see more of these types of bodies on the men's tour. And you will get more really skinny, muscleless body type body guys to hug.
1: And then you and, and not
0: th- in a not creepy way. In a
1: non-creepy way around their waist because yes. they'll be a little bit shorter. But uh, you know when you think about Carlos Alcaraz, he's kind of in that. Rafa exactly
0: and, and he's getting injured Runa, more than the others same, yes you know? and both of them get injured yeah. and i think this is really uh one of novak has many legacies but this is one of his that he's starting to change the body type of the best men's players that we see out there i have two questions for you before we go uh one question is where do you think novak goes from here and what do you see mm. in the future for Zverev? Will he have another opportunity at a slam? Because I do think his game yes. improved tremendously over the course of the last year. Yeah. He played the best he's ever played here.
1: As much as it pains me to say, I think that Zverev will be around for a long time unless you know something else <laughs> happens in his life. But I think he's going to be at the latter parts of a Grand Slam. I think he probably will break through at some point. I think the French Open is actually probably his best. Mm. Um, and I think the US Open... Um, so I don't know. We'll see. There's no question he's good enough to win a Grand Slam. Yeah. But mentally, that's going to be the hurdle because now he has some serious scar tissue. He and only is... lost
0: two five-setters <clears throat> being two sets to, to love.
1: US they... Open yes. final, semi-finals of the Australian yeah, Open. Now, I'm sorry, that's, that's scar tissue. And yeah. it's hard to chip that away from the brain when mm-hmm. it's happened to you many times. And you're only going to run into great players in the semis and the finals who know they can win. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, I think mobile? that Novak um, goes back to work gets himself prepared to win the French Open. Um, you know, he said that he wants to win all four Grand Slams this year. That's now not going to happen. But he'd probably like to try and sweep the rest mm-hmm. and win a gold medal at, uh, in Paris. Yeah. Is, look, Novak's going to go back to work. He knows that yes. he played a terrible match. He knows that he probably didn't prepare the way he wanted to leading in here. He knows he was a little bit sick. So he'll be back. There's no question about yeah. it. We'll see. But uh, it gets yeah.
0: harder. I,
1: he does get harder. It as does get, get older. harder. And I think this Because he knows he's only got a couple years left. Yeah. Well, and
0: I think, and I think there's... Bad news for his fans. I think he will play even less after this. I think he will play even less. I think we will see him even less on the tour. I think the two most important things for him this year will be Wimbledon. He wants that crown back and he wants to, you know. Yeah, avenge the loss. Yes, just because he was so close to getting that Grand Slam last year. I think Wimbledon. And then the Olympic Games will be his main, main, main I agree. goal this year. I and agree. I believe that he will be the strongest contender to this because we know when Novak sets his mind to something and he puts everything else aside, it's very, very hard to beat him. But it's the best young of guys three. are getting
1: closer and it's it's best of three. See, that's the difference with yes. the Olympics. It's best of three sets. And these guys, all, all of them, all of them know that they can beat him over best of three. Yeah, And it's... That's the difference maker at the Grand Slams, which is why it was what Yannick did yesterday was so impressive, mm. is that sure he played like shit for two sets, but you still got to win three. Yeah. You got to win the third set. Yes. And, you know, you could tell that Yannick said, this is like a whole different story. You know, and when I lost that third set, he was like, but the way he bounced back after losing that first set was incredible. And I'm telling you, running for that drop shot, every kid out there run for every freaking ball. You know why? Because when you run for every ball like that, even if you're losing, I mean, it's one thing if you're, like, I wouldn't see Medvedev maybe running for that ball at 40-love against Zverev last night because Mm -hmm. you do have to conserve energy at Mm -hmm. some point. But he didn't need to conserve energy. He was two sets easy, lost the first set. But this guy could play five sets easily, and he's physically very, very fit. But it was more about setting the tone of, I am going to run for every ball Mm -hmm. against you. And so if you're going to hit the shot, you better hit it perfect Mm. because I'm going to run for it. And that sends a sense of anxiety to your opponent. And I felt like Novak got really anxious after that point because he's like, shit, this guy doesn't, go he's not gonna go, go away he doesn't let go of, of anything very similar to how Alcaraz was when he won yeah he ran for every yeah. ball and that just makes you and what's and the thing that is the
0: dna of novak djokovic is run for every ball <laughs> which is like fuck this guy doesn't go away yeah
1: and he's not gonna go away anyway all right so <laughs>
0: just one more thing sorry i know i'm always make this long but i always get an this is idea why we're late for practice i know and sorry breakfast. but when I, you say something <clears> it inspires me for something else and I, this is the last i swear there was an Because we always talk about how important tactics and game plan is and another, just another proof how really important they are, especially on these stages where where so little separates these guys. Medvedev yesterday, the first two and a half sets, played 60% over Zverev's backhand. What the fuck? Again, like Carlos Alcaraz, 60% and then the number shifted slightly over the course of the third and fourth set. And eventually in the fifth set, it was all into the, not all into the forehand, but the Most. M- majority into the forehand. And yes, Zverev was tired and so on and so forth. But tactics on these stages matter so, so much. Especially
1: when someone starts getting tired because the, the bad technique will, will fail. And we saw that with the... With, uh... And also Zverev hit a double fault for the first time at a really crucial moment as well. Mm. And that tells you as an opponent, oh, okay, the fallacies or the weaknesses are going to come back under pressure so stay in there but I also think Medvedev did that because Medvedev feels like no one beats him in a backhand cross court rally that's why and he doesn't miss his backhand cross court it's like what are you doing hitting it there kind of thing so it'd be interesting to see how Yannick Sinner handles that Mm. but it's almost like uh good luck beating me and then all of a sudden he's like "Eh? he is beating me there so I better change it up. The only thing
0: he can't play these Mm. like sitters slow shots that he does with other players because Yannick when he has a sitter and he goes around and sets up for his forehand young fall does not miss
1: young fall does not miss no we will see all right so today of course tonight is uh the women's final with uh chinwen and uh arena and we can't wait to see that one rod
0: labor arena
1: on rod arena on rod labor arena puns for days puns i don't know on the renee
0: steps was a bad one that was a great
1: one but yeah. anyway um looking forward to that i hope chinwen turns up and plays her best that she gets a little bit more first serves in the court because that's been the biggest downfall for her. She said the most double faults of anyone in the tour, uh, t- <clears throat> tournament and the most aces by a long way. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Arena who's serving well, hitting a reasonable amount of aces and barely any double faults. Yeah. What the hell happened in two years? It's unbelievable. We will
0: talk about it all tomorrow. We can't
1: wait. So it's going to be a great final and we'll let you know how it goes. And looking for- I'm really looking forward to the men's final as well. It's going to be fantastic. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us again today. We'll see you tomorrow. And like for and now-
0: subscribe. Like and subscribe. Oh, like and subscribe. Is that
1: what you say on podcast? Yeah, like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Um, for now, um, thanks for joining us today. And it's time for us to go and have breakfast. So, cheers.
0: cheers.